Lieutenant Hiru Anoda was a uh, soldier for the Japanese military in World War II. And Anoda was stationed on Lubang Island in the Philippines when it was taken over by U.S. forces in 1945. When, uh, when the U.S. invaded the island, uh, or, or took captivity of the island, uh, the majority of, of Anoda's comrades were captured or killed by the U.S. government, but Anoda and several other soldiers went into hiding in the, um, in the, in the jungle and with the goal to continue to disrupt their, uh, the enemy forces as long as they could. When the war ended, uh, Anoda didn't believe it. And like many other places in the world, when the war ended, they would drop these leaflets over, uh, every, over everywhere and, and they were able to they saw them, but they didn't believe it. They thought that it was all still a trick to capture Anoda and his several comrades. They dismissed every attempt over a number of years as a, as a hoax. And Anoda continued um, in that jungle for 29 years. It was finally in 1974 when the Japanese government was able to send one of its former officers to the jungle where he, um, where he finally believed that the war ended and he, uh, and he finally exited the jungle. When he exited the jungle, he was still wearing his dress uniform. He still had his, his government-issued sword. He still had his government-issued rifle in full operating condition. And this is a picture of him um, when, uh, when he finally came out of the war. The interesting thing about this portion of history is that Anoda fought for almost three decades fighting a war that was already over, fighting a war that had already been won. On this Easter Sunday, as we're here and we celebrate Jesus, and as we've gathered together here in Dover, in Plymouth, and tonight in Londonderry, we're celebrating his resurrection, and we're celebrating his victory, his victory over death, his victory over sin, his victory over the kingdom of darkness. And as you're here this morning, I want you to know that what Jesus did 2,000 years ago can have an effect on you today, and it can affect your life today. So as we consider Jesus this morning, as we talk about him, I want to ask you this question. Are you fighting a war that's already over? Are you fighting a war that Jesus has already won? If you are, I mean, it could show up in your life in a, a lot of different ways, but some areas in your life where it may help you to see that you're fighting something that Jesus has already defeated, maybe it could be in the area of anxiety. And Noda, you have to figure, he, he had to have just been worried every waking moment that he would be captured or killed. And of the comrades who served with him, uh, who went into the jungle with him, every single one of them were killed either by the, the, the government of the Philippines or by uh, farmers who they were trying to steal from. Um, they were all killed. And for 29 years, just on edge, you can't, you know, can't have a restful night's sleep because it's continually worried about someone 
catching up to him or someone finding him or someone capturing him. Anxiety affects 40 million adults in the United States, United States age 18 or over, and it's this constant what might happen, what if, you know, um, and, and always worrying about what's going to happen next and never being able to be in a place of, of peace or a place of, uh, of comfort. Excessive worrying and high anxiety, if they go untreated, can lead to depression, can lead to suicidal thoughts, can even lead to suicide. Jesus has won that war. Maybe you're fighting a war against fear, fear of death. Uh, fear can lead to other irrational phobias, but you're just afraid, afraid all the time, afraid of someone dying, afraid of yourself dying, afraid of losing your job, and it's just, it just plagues you. Maybe you are fighting a war against condemnation, and condemnation is a church word. And what that means is you're condemning yourself and so maybe you've said this, you've said, I deserve hell. Maybe you've just, even when someone invited you here, you're like, it's no use. I'm going to hell. There's nothing. I, I've just been too, I've done too many wrong things in my life. Sometimes every year, you know, people often express this to me when I invite them to church. Maybe you said this, but, um, but it's pretty common. People say, I can't go to church or I'll get struck by lightning or I can't go to church or the building will fall in on me. That's condemnation talk, and you're fighting a war that's already over, you're fighting a war that's already been won, or maybe you're fighting a war against shame, and shame, we can think of it as being a church word as well, but uh, secular psychologists are, have begun to discover the effect that shame has over a person's life. One secular psychologist wrote, Shame is increasingly recognized as a powerful, painful, and potentially dangerous emotion. They've begun to discover that shame is a root cause of many social phobias, of eating disorders, of domestic violence, substance abuse, road rage, schoolyard and workplace rampages, sexual offenses, and a host of other social problems. We can see guilt and shame as being the same thing, but they're different. Guilt, guilt can often be healthy in that you feel guilty about something, so it leads you to a better action. When your kids feel guilty, then they come to you and they confess what they did. Guilt it has, has, it motivates us to a positive place, but shame is different. Shame is destructive because it's not that you've done something wrong, it's that you are wrong. It's not that you, um, that you made a mistake and you're maybe a bad parent, you made bad parenting mistake, but no, you begin to identify as, I am a bad parent, I am a bad person, and shame leads people into destructive behaviors because what does it matter anyway? There's nothing I can do to make anything different, and your whole sense of self is eroded. Maybe... It's one of those battles you've been struggling with in your life. And again, I ask you, why are you fighting a war that's already over? Why are you fighting a war when Jesus has already declared the victory over that? And when we're standing on this side of history, we, we know. We know when he came, we know what he did, and we know he rose again and Victory has been declared.
And you, even this morning, have an opportunity to walk in that, to know that, and to, to come out of the jungle and to, and to live your life, maybe for the first time. And we know that there are people from all kinds of different places in, in our church today, people who've never been to church, people who, who, who quit church a long time ago, people who, who used to be in church, but man, feel too guilty to even come back. And you're all, all kinds of different people here. But what Jesus did on the cross was for everyone. It wasn't just for one type of people. It wasn't just for one race. It wasn't just for one economic class. It, it wasn't just for one gender. It wasn't just for people who, who were good people to begin with. He came for everyone. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Luke chapter 22. And if you don't have a Bible, definitely download one from the App Store, which will be very, very helpful for you. If you don't own a physical copy of the Bible, um, if you go to the Welcome Center, we'll give you one for free, because we want you to have a physical copy of the Bible. Also, if you've never been here before, uh, if you go to the Welcome Center, we've got a gift for you. Um, our church here, we're familiar with the world's most perfect whoopie pie. It exists, uh, it was created in a bakery in Maine, and um, so we've bought you some. So if you've never been here before, when you go to the Welcome Center, they get a gift for you. One of those is in there, so you can experience that, and uh, you can agree with the rest of us. So that's there for you. And then, and then also, like, you go there, and you eat that, and you're like, I came to the right church today. So, you know. Now, the passage we're about to read, let me just set it up for you so you kind of are able to follow along. This is before Jesus died on the cross. This is before his, uh, before his illegal trial. This is before he rose from the grave. And this is after the Last Supper. So if you can envision that famous painting with Jesus and the, the 12 disciples eating, this is just, you know, probably an hour or so after that. And Judas has left to go betray Jesus. So what Jesus has done is he's gathered his 11 disciples and he said, hey, we're going to go to the garden. It's a public garden called Gethsemane. We're going to go there and pray. I need you to pray for me because I feel sorrow even unto death. And I, and I need to pray that I'll be able to walk through what God has sent me to walk through. And so let's all go. We're going to pray together um, uh, through the night. And Jesus, he knows what's about to happen. He knows Judas just left to betray him. He knows that in just a couple hours, he's going to be arrested under the cover of darkness, and they're going to have an illegal trial uh, concerning him in the middle of the night. He knows that by morning time, he's going to be nailed to a cross, and he knows at some point in the next day, he will take the sin of the world upon his shoulders, and he will breathe his last breath. He knows all that before this passage we're about to read. So they're praying and he's woken up his disciples a couple of times because they keep falling asleep. They're, they're not staying up to pray with them. And in this one time, he says, hey guys, I need you to pray. And then we start reading at verse number 41. Jesus, Luke chapter 22, verse number 41. Jesus walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel of heaven, of heaven uh, appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently. 
And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. While he was there praying, and at one point he went to his disciples and he said, the time's come, and that's when Judas showed up with the priests and with the soldiers to arrest Jesus. And if you don't know, some of you may not know what happens next in the story, but if you do, pretend you don't and begin to think like, what is Jesus going to do here now in this moment where they're surrounding him and he knows they're going to execute him and, and, and they're going to have an illegal trial? What's he going to do in this moment? Is he going to run and hide? Is he going to become a fugitive? Is he going to take off into, uh, into the wilderness and start a guerrilla uh, revolution? What is he going to do in this moment? And the disciples, they didn't know how to respond either. And we read in verse 49, when the other disciples saw what was about to happen, that Jesus was going to be arrested, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And then one of them, Peter, he struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. And Peter attacked. They didn't know what to do. They knew this is bad news. What's about to happen is not good. And so they, they drew swords and they were ready to fight to the death. And then Jesus surprised them in verse number 51 when he said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. No, no more of what exactly? What is Jesus saying? No more of this. Well, he's telling his disciples, it's no more fighting, no more running, no more hiding. You know, there is different places you can read in the Bible where the, the crowd like rose up to kill Jesus, to stone him, and, and he would just disappear from the crowd and, 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 and go into hiding. But now he was saying, no more. And what he was telling his disciples is, guys, I'm allowing this. The time's come. The things I told you about, the things I taught you about, it, the time's come for that. So I'm allowing this. No more fighting, no more hiding. And he went willingly with those soldiers. Why did he do that? Because the war was already over. And it's not because he lost. So it's not like he was surrounded by all these guys and he's like, eh, it's no use. It's no use, guys. Like we had our run. It's, it's it. And he, and he just gave up. No, it was... It, he, the reason he went with those soldiers is because he had already won. So he went with them because he knew what God's will was, and he knew what God's outcome was. So as he went to that garden and he prayed, he prayed until he knew what God wanted, and he knew he couldn't run. He knew he had to go forward in the assignment that God had given him. So it's important to note that he wasn't a coward. It's important to note that he didn't surrender to the soldiers. He surrendered to the will of his father, and he won the war. He went, he was tried illegally, he was beaten, he was abused, he was made fun of, he was, um, he was wickedly attacked, and he was nailed to a cross where he suffocated and died. Then he was buried in the tomb, and three days later, on that Sunday morning, but for us, we remember as Easter Sunday morning, he rose 
from the grave. Colossians 2.14 talks about the victory that Jesus had. And it says, Jesus canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He won. He, he got the victory. The kingdom of God has defeated the kingdom of darkness forever. That victory is forever. And you and I, as we're in a place where we're feeling like we're fighting this war and we can't win, we've got to remind ourselves the victory is over. He's already won. And we can walk in that victory. Now, if you've never been to church before, but even if you are in church and you're, you're, you're in the middle of this madness, it can be hard to figure out, well, how do I... How do I walk in that freedom? How do I live in that victory? And I want to give you a couple of things and that will hopefully be helpful to you. And, and I believe that these things will change your life. The first is to believe the written word. For us, we have a Bible, a written word. And I understand there's all kinds of arguments against the Bible. And you're like, you know what? I just can't believe. I just can't believe it. I feel like it's all a trick. I feel like it's man-made. How can I really trust it as God? People tell me there's all these inconsistencies. There's all these errors. and I just can't trust it. I can't trust the, the written word. You, for Anoda, he received written word that the war had ended in 1945. And those leaflets dropped. And he read it. He read it for himself, and they just thought, you know what, this is a hoax, this isn't real. But what if, his, what if he and his comrades had really read it? Or what if they had really believed it? What, how would have the next three decades of his life and of their lives have been different? The last of his comrades that had gone into the jungle with him was killed in 1972 by a local, by a local farmer. What if he had believed the word in, 1970, er, in 1945? Maybe, so you're struggling with that. You're like, you know what? I just can't really believe the Bible. Well, I would encourage you to believe the words of your friends. There was someone who invited you here, someone who brought you here. Or maybe if you came to church by yourself today, but you may have a friend who and the reason you came today is because you knew they're going to church in the part of the country that they live in and, and to, to believe the words of them. An interesting thing happened in the story of Anoda. Um, there was, uh, Anoda described this person as a hippie, but it was this Japanese guy by the name of Norio Suzuki who had heard about Lieutenant Anoda. And uh, by this point uh, in the 1970s, Anoda was this legend in Japan as this guy who wouldn't surrender and, uh, and, and wouldn't give up his mission. Uh, and, and so people had, people had heard about him. I mean, he was legendary. And then Suzuki went out to find him. He was an adventurer. And he had three goals. He says, in my lifetime, I want to find uh, Lieutenant Anoda. I want to find a panda bear in the wild. And I want to find the abominable snowman. And so he set out on that adventure, he said, in that order. And on February 20th, 1974, he, he came across Anoda in the woods, and, and they became unlikely friends. 
And Noda eventually came and asked him to, hey, why don't you leave the hill with me? The war's over. It's been over for a long, long time. Why don't you come with me? And Anoda still refused. He said he would not surrender unless ordered to by a superior officer. And maybe that's where you are. Your friends have shared with you why they come to church. They shared with you about Jesus and how he's changed their life. He's, they've shared with you about how they've been forgiven and changed. And you're like, you know what? I'm still not sure. And even in the Bible, we see after Jesus' resurrection, after he raised from the grave, the disciples who were closest to him, they still had a hard time believing. On that, on that Sunday morning, some ladies went to the tomb to put to, with, with spices, and they were going to, um, they were much, in their culture, much like we would maybe bring flowers to a graveside, they were, they were going to the tomb to, um, to pay their respects to Jesus. And when they got to the tomb, the tomb was empty, and one of them had actually spoken with Jesus, and he said, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm alive, and, and they, couldn't, they couldn't believe it, but, but they knew it was him, and they ran back from the tomb, and we start reading in Luke chapter 24, verse 9, it, it says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 disciples and to the others who were there. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James. And the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Maybe that's where you are. Your friends tell you about what's gone on in their life, how their life has been changed, how they've been forgiven. And you're like, man, that just sounds crazy. Do you know how crazy you sound right now? And you... You're like, you don't want to believe the written word. You don't want to believe what they're telling you to. And, and you're, just, you're just struggling. Like, maybe a part of you wants to believe it. You're like, you know what? I'd like to get out of this jungle. I'd like, to, I'd like to live a life. I'd like happiness and joy like you have it. But I just can't believe it. It sounds too crazy to me, too hard to believe. Maybe what you need to do is you need to believe the words of a superior officer. That invites you to believe the word of Jesus. What is he saying? What has he done? When uh, Norio Suzuki heard that Onoda would only leave if he got the word from a superior officer, he flew back to Japan and he told the government. The government tracked down one of his former officers who was at this point an elderly man working in a bookstore. They flew him back to, they flew that old man back to the Lubang Islands and he, he, Suzuki led him to Onoda in the woods he gave the orders for Anodos to surrender, and he did. And that's the picture that I showed you at the start of this message. For 29 years, he fought a war that was already over. But his training told him, never surrender, never die. And so he was just following out his orders until he got word of something from someone greater, or something better. In your life, you've got struggles and there's things you're dealing with. And every single person in here has struggles, and including me. Every single person has had to walk through things, including me. But some people in this room have found out that the war's over, that Jesus won. And they've, 
given themselves to him. They've accepted his invitation to follow him. They've accepted his word of victory and their life has been changed. You can't really believe the Bible. You can't really believe your friends, but here's what Jesus says to you. Words we find in scripture. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, for I, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus gives that invitation to you. You stop struggling, fighting this war, and you just receive what he has given to you, and you just receive what he has done for you. And I invite you not to wait another year. Don't wait another year going through those, so, those same things. Come out of the woods, come out of the jungle. Stop hiding. Start living in freedom. Surrender to God and his plan through Jesus. The war is over, let him forgive you. The war is over, let him change you. The war is over, let him free you. If you'll close your eyes, I wanna take opportunity to pray for you. If you're ready to believe, you tell Jesus that. You don't, you don't need me, but you tell him that. And, and the, the word we use for talking to Jesus is prayer, and that's all prayer is, is talking to him. And you ask him. You ask him to forgive you. You ask him to be your Lord and your Savior. And he forgives you of all your sin. He transforms you from the inside out. He does a work in your life. You're able to now live in freedom. You're able now to live in victory because of what he did. And I'm going to help you to pray a prayer and express to God what you're feeling in your heart because some of you, you're, you're ready right now and you feel that. You're like, you know what? That's right. I'm not going to live another year fighting these battles. I've been hearing about Jesus for all these years and now I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to give it to him. I want to pray for you and I want to what I'm going to say is a prayer. You can repeat it right back to God or you can change it in your own words. But, to, but you got to say to him what's going on in your heart. You can pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I ask you to save me. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you rose from the grave and I believe that you have the victory. I ask you to forgive me and change me and to be my Lord and my Savior. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As you pray that prayer, it changes everything. And you're freed from fighting a war, and now He fights for you. In this next minute, I want us to, I want us, I want you to take this next minute just between you and God. The band's going to sing a song that we sang earlier, I Surrender, and I want you to, you know, maybe you, this morning you just needed a reminder and now 
you, you weren't able to really sing it before, but now you can because you're like, you know what? Yeah, these things have tried to come against me, but they don't, they don't stand a chance. They've already been defeated. And so now you're going to sing just from a different place knowing that's right. That's right. I didn't lose. I'm not going to lose. Jesus has already won and I have victory through him. Maybe as we sing it, um, you're singing it from the place in your life. This is the first time in your life you've ever believed First time in your life where you've ever been in the church and you're going to sing a song, not with the band, you're going to sing a song to him. And you're just going to, you're going to sing it to him. Yes, I, you know, I am yours. I'm following you. And uh, so as they sing, just between you and God, let this moment be with you and him. So today, if, if you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what? I am going to give. I'm finally going to surrender. I'm finally going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to begin this journey. I'm going to begin to take that next step. Then here's what you can do. If you take that connection card right on there, it says that you made a decision to follow Jesus. This is your opportunity to fill that out. So we want to know this because like when Lieutenant Anoida finally walked out of the forest, walked out of the, the woods, walked out of the battle, in that moment, he began to connect to society again. He began to connect to people. He began to talk to people. He began to realize that he couldn't do this alone anymore. And this is your opportunity to do that, to connect, to say, you know what? I want to be a part of this. You can throw that in the offering bucket as it goes by. And if you're a first-time guest, we want to know that you joined us today. We want to know that you are here, and we want to have an opportunity to connect with you. I'm just so thankful that you guys decided to join us here at Restoration Church on Easter Sunday. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next week. <laughs>